home. We write songs about it, right? Uh, we make movies about it. I mean, at least Hallmark does. They, they kind of go a little overboard, uh, but they make movies about home. We, and we even try to recreate like menus and special desserts, I think maybe even more at this time of the year, that remind us of this sense of home. It seems that this longing of home is somehow hardwired into our DNA. Now, for those of us that grew up maybe in kind of a healthy family background, you know, that this, this longing for home may be kind of associated with being reunited, you know, with those that we just so loved um, in our past, even those who have gone on before us and, and uh, we don't even have the chance to see them again um, on earth, but there's this longing to be reunited. But others that maybe didn't grow up in such a healthy background, uh, you know, there's still that longing for a home, but maybe it's more associated with, with like this sense of, I, I know that there should have been a certain type of relationship in my life. This, and there's this deep ache for a relationship maybe that never was. It just always seemed to be a little out of our reach. And truly, I think most of us are, are a little bit experiencing of both of those, of longing to be reunited and yet realizing that there's more that we couldn't just quite ever grasp a hold of because all of us are a bit of a mixed bag, right, of, of beauty and brokenness when it comes to our pasts. But all of us, in all of us, there is a sense of longing, this deep ache for home a place where we know we belong. I think it's a place of, of unconditional love, of mutual support for one another, and even some shared history that helps us have a really strong sense of knowing this is who I am as a human being. Now, listen, this, this longing for home has been part of our human story ever since we left the only perfect home that there ever was, and that was found in the Garden of Eden. Listen, ever since that last perfect home uh, where there was complete intimacy, complete trust and love, that last place where home and wholeness were actually synonymous. I mean, they were the same, wholeness and home home and wholeness. But we got to remember that when sin entered the picture, not only was the human spirit stained, right, with this brokenness, but so was this reality of home. And ever since then, ever since the garden, we as humans have been nomads, only having a, the temporary experiences of what it would really feel like to be truly home. But God's promise is that one day, all of those of us who put our trust in Jesus will be welcomed once again into that perfect home. And this time it will be forever, never again to be nomads, never again to have to search for that sense of belonging and home. In fact, it's 
It's at the opposite end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, that we're given this picture of a new home where there is nothing but wholeness and beauty. A place where there will be, it says, no more tears. And then remember Jesus' words. His disciples were getting all tensioned and and brokenhearted because they're realizing that Jesus, who they just walked with on earth and fallen in love with for three years, that he was going to be leaving the earth, going to the cross, and then going to heaven. And their hearts, it says, were being troubled. And listen to these words, these beautiful words of Jesus captured in the first verses of John 14, where he said this, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Listen, there is more than enough room in my father's home. You're coming home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Listen, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And we long for that day where we will always be in the presence of Jesus. But for now, we live in this in-between space. Nomads that are journeying between the garden and heaven with a longing in our souls to truly and finally be home. (laughs) But here's the strange thing about this year and Christmas in 2020. We're truly, we are stuck at home. Well, maybe more appropriately be to say we're kind of stuck in our houses. Many can't freely travel right, to be with ones that they love. And of course, those people can't travel to us either. So we're stuck right where we are. And we're singing songs like, I'll be stuck at home for Christmas. I'll be quarantined, right? Uh, Somebody at least should write that song. Because that is the song of 2020. We are stuck at home for Christmas. This place that we would seem to long for, now we're stuck there and we're really not happy about it, are we? So this week and next, I'm gonna be bringing two messages that are from a chapter in the book of Mark, Mark chapter five, that doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Christmas story, but I'll promise you this, it has everything to do with being stuck at home. And I believe that in these two messages, this week and next, that we're going to find some truths that are going to bring light to our souls, and I believe help us experience Christmas in 2020, even when we're stuck at home in new and hopefully some beautiful ways with a new and expanded understanding of the sense of being at home. So this first story from Mark chapter five, I wanna tell you the story and then we're gonna be dropping in to points in, in the story. But it's a story of a man 
who it says was completely taken over by demons. I mean, this huge demonic influence in his life, it's actually referenced as a legion of demons who were tormenting this man. And in uh, the Roman armies, they would call a legion somewhere between four and 6,000 soldiers. So while we don't know the exact number of demons that were plaguing this man, we just know it was a lot. And this guy was completely being torn apart by these dark supernatural forces. When others would even, it said, would try to even help him by putting him in chains so that he wouldn't be a danger to himself or to others. It said that he had this dark supernatural force rise up within him so that even the chains they would put around him to protect him, he would just break away from those. And it's in verse five that we're told that this man would go around day and night howling in the graveyard and cutting himself with sharp stones. This was a man who is in utter torment by hell. But then he encounters Jesus. And in a few moments, everything in his life changes. Because, and there's this interesting little interplay because what happens is Jesus is setting this man free from these demonic forces. And the, the demons actually say, please don't torture us. They say, hey, can we go into this herd of pigs that was being tended uh, nearby, a couple thousand pigs? And Jesus kind of surprisingly says, yep, that, that's where you can go. You know, out of, out of this man and you can go into those pigs. And it says that those pigs were freaked out. And it says that they ran, stampeded into the lake that was there and all drowned. And you may be saying, well, man, that, that does sound like what a good Jewish boy would do is let's, let's get all the pigs out of the region. But I think there was more to it going on than that because you may have wondered, why would Jesus ever allow that to happen? Does he hate animals? No, he does not. He created all the animals. But I, I think that there are scholars who truly believe, and I think this is a really good point. The area that this was happening in was not primarily a Jewish area. It was more a Gentile area. And while they would have had superstitions and things, they did not have a clear understanding of the true nature of spirituality of heaven and of hell. So I believe what some others do, that Jesus actually allowed those demons to go into another physical object to show the people that the demons that were plaguing this man were literally, they were actually gone from him right? That this wasn't just some temporary little peace that he was experiencing. Those demons were gone and they had a physical proof of it. They could see what was happening in this situation. I think that's a, a good explanation of why Jesus would have done that. But so here's this man who's free, but then the guys who are tending the pigs, they run off and they start telling everybody what had happened. And like the pigs got freaked out, they all drowned. So people started coming. And I want you to pick up in the story with me now. We're in verse 15 of Mark 5. And it has this very interesting twist in the story. Because you're kind of wondering, when all the people show up, are they going to be like super happy to see their friend set free? Well, a little something different happens. 
So it says a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And what does it say? And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd was freaking out. It wasn't just the pigs that got freaked out. It was the people that got freaked out. It says, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. In other words, Jesus, get out of my house. I don't want you here. And I think we see something really interesting at this little part of the story. And and what we see is that people that don't have a relationship with God so easily misunderstand what it is that God is actually doing. Right? I mean, we, we even, I think, experience this in our own lives. You know, Jesus says, hey, stay away from this behavior in your life. Do not go down this path. Don't do these things. And what do we interpret God as saying? God, you're trying to ruin my life. Out of my house. Right? I mean, that's, that's what we do. I'm in control here. I want to do the things that I want to do, and we misunderstand God's heart and his care and his love for us. Also, we, we sometimes will experience where God begins to redirect our lives into a new place, maybe into a new job, into some new ministry things, and we're like, but God, that is not what I planned for my life. Out of my home. I'm in control. I want to retain all the control of my life. And we misunderstand so easily at times that God is working like he did for this man for his freedom, for his wholeness. And so literally that this man would be able to live his best life. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing when he begins to work in our situation But I think that we see right here in the story that there are times when we are tempted to literally say, out of my house, out, out, out. You do not belong here, Jesus. This is my place. This is my life. And that's kind of exactly what was going on. And they did it out of fear that somehow Jesus was going to ruin things and and not be there to help. But it's actually the next part of the story that I want to do just this little deeper dive with you. It's kind of how the story concludes. All of that was the prelude to where we're, what we're looking at right here. And it's the last three verses of the story found in Mark 18, 19, and 20. And we're just going to look at each of those verses individually and see what happens at the end of this story. So picking up in Mark 5, verse 18, it says this. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Listen, I believe 
that this man who had just been set free from the torment of hell in his life, he now knew something so clearly that I have never felt more at home than I did when I encountered Jesus. When I met Jesus, I truly felt home for the very first time. And I don't want to leave him. I do not want to leave this man who gave me the sense of belonging and unconditional love. I could tell he knew more about me than I knew myself. And yet he loved me without condition. He loved me in my brokenness and craziness. So it's no wonder I thought about this this week and thinking about how Jesus provides us this sense of home. You know, it kind of makes sense now that when Jesus approached some guys that were fishing by the water, right? Some guys who are just regular blue-collar dudes, right, who knew how to work the sea, fishermen. And when Jesus came up to them at the beginning of his ministry and just came up and said, follow me. And it says that they immediately dropped their nets and followed him. And were with him for like every waking moment for the next three years of their lives. No wonder, because when you meet Jesus, it's like you finally come home. And I know I belong here. I'm at home. And it's also no wonder that Jesus needed to reassure them in John 14 when their hearts were troubled, when they realized that Jesus wouldn't be here much longer on earth with them, that he needed to reassure them by saying, don't be troubled. I'm going ahead of you to my father's home where I'm going to be preparing a place for you. Because here's the reality. In the presence of Jesus, we are home like no other physical place that we'll ever experience on earth. It's within him that the longing of our souls is satisfied. But then here we come to the next verse. This man begs Jesus, I found home in you. Please let me go with you. And then we, we read in verse 19, but Jesus said, no. Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Go home to your family. I mean, he says this to this man who longed to leave behind his past where everywhere he looked would just be a reminder of the torment and misery that he'd been experiencing for all these past seasons. And now Jesus is telling him, nope, you are stuck at home, buddy. But I want you to think on these things that are referenced in that statement that Jesus made. First of all, Jesus knew this man 
had a family. Back earlier in Mark chapter 5, I, I mentioned this, sharing the story that, that it says that they would often try to wrap him in chains so that he would not be a danger to himself or to others. Well, I want you to think about it. Who do you think was doing that? See, I wonder, and I, I believe that that was probably his loving family that didn't even know how can we care for him. Maybe he was a father, son, brother, uncle, cousin. I believe that there was family that would have surrounded this man. I mean, wouldn't you do whatever you could do for someone, a family member who is in so much torment from hell? Wouldn't you do everything that you could do in your power to help care for that person? I believe that is what his family did. Jesus knew he had a family that cared for him, and now Jesus is sending this man back to care for his family. The roles became reversed. And I, can you imagine the power of this guy's testimony as he goes back home? Right? I mean, you can just kind of imagine them right around a, a little campfire under the stars at night. And you know how people talk about stories, right? And he's like, you guys remember like when I was like going around howling in the graveyards? Yikes, man, that was crazy. Now, do you remember when you guys would like try to wrap me up in chains, man, and all this like supernatural weird stuff going on and I was just like breaking out and they're like, bang, that was crazy. Now, you think you've got stories, man. This guy had stories. And they look and they probably still see some scars on him where he had cut himself, it said, with sharp objects and stones. And, and they're like, wow. Living la vida loco, loca, loco. He, was he had a crazy life, right? And here we realize that then it comes to the end of this guy's story where he looks him in the eyes and, and retells and recounts, but this is what Jesus did for me. Can you imagine the power of this guy's testimony to his family? Yeah, actually, some of you can imagine the power of his story because it really is not all that different than your story, right? It's like when you're sitting around campfires and you're talking to your family, it's like, do you remember when, like, I used to come home drunk do you remember, man, do, do you remember when I just used to curse you out and say all kinds of terrible things about you? Do you remember when I would just fight you for no reason? Do you remember when I was just so broken and, and didn't know what to do with my brokenness? But do you remember how Jesus set me free? Listen, never underestimate the power of your story. Listen, maybe your story, maybe your testimony was not as dramatic as this guy's, right? I, I mean, mine certainly wasn't. I mean, not many of us were like demon-possessed, graveyard, 
howling, uh, self-mutilators that were breaking chains, right? I mean, not all of us, that's our experience. I mean, where would the fun be in that if we all lived that way? Not all of us, that's our story, but all of us have a grace story if we've put our hope in Jesus. All of us have a faith story. How we had hope emerge in our hearts and faith came alive. All of us have a redemption story. So never doubt the power of your story. It's unique to you and your family already knows it. So feel free to share it, even as Jesus admonished this man, go home, back to your family, tell them what I have done for you and the mercy that I have shown you. I also believe that Jesus was kind of underscoring a reality here. Ministry starts at home. Listen, we can have kind of like weird notions of what ministry really is. And, you know, maybe you think, oh man, what that pastor guy up there, you know, is doing on this video, that, that's ministry, right? Or maybe we think that ministry is only what Joel and Veronica Adiola do, is they're missionaries um, in the south of Mexico. No, listen, that's, that's an expression of ministry. But ministry is sharing the love and life of Jesus wherever he puts us. And it starts at home. Listen, if, if the reality of the love and life of Jesus doesn't impact our home life and our closest relationships, then really what are we doing going out further into the world to try to do ministry? It starts at home. And it starts with just the reality of this is what Jesus has done. And this is the mercy that he has shown me. I'm wondering this. Is it possible that God loves your family so much that he put you with your unique testimony right into the middle of it? And now you're stuck at home with these people. <laughs> these people that God loves and has now locked the door, right? And you're there with them. Share the story of God's love and his grace on you. And you're like, hey, they just don't want to listen to me. Maybe not. Maybe not quite yet. Maybe they're still testing your claims. Maybe they're still watching your life really closely to see if what you claim that Jesus did actually stuck, right? So, don't give them any reason to doubt otherwise. And keep sharing the story of what Jesus has done for you. Here's how the story ends. And it's in verse 20. Mark 5:20. it says, So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him and everyone was amazed at what he told them. 
So what we see here is that this man didn't just go to his family. He went to everywhere where he had some influence, probably everywhere in that little region where they knew of this guy's history. So for you, I don't know where your circle of influence is like in in our little multi-town area, right? Maybe your story is here in Santa Maria, but maybe it kind of extends, right? Yeah, there's folks in Orchid that know your story. Maybe in Guadalupe, you know, right? Maybe all the way out in Lompoc, maybe even in little tiny Sisquoc. I don't know. But you know what? God wasn't just sending him only to his family, God was sending him back to everywhere where this man had influence. And remember, it was those people who had gathered who had rejected Jesus. I mean, just right then, kicked him out of their homes, kicked him out of their region. And so now Jesus, knowing that he could not stay to be that direct influence, what does he do? He appoints this man who was just newly set free and says, now you go and tell the story of what I have done in your life. Go to everywhere where you have influence, even beyond your home. Maybe it's your school. Maybe it's your place of work. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's with those friends that you grew up with and used to live a little crazy with. Everywhere where you have that relational influence, go and share the story. And you're like, man, those people don't like Jesus. They don't like him any more than the people in the story. But I want to remind you of this. Someone with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. See, those people, they had an argument against this guy named Jesus. They, they were like freaked out. They didn't understand all, the, all these spiritual things going on. So they, they were f- filled with fear, it says, and they kicked him out. So these were people with an argument. But this man had an experience that they could not deny. Someone with an experience is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. So just share your experience. This is what Jesus did for me. And I believe he'll do it for you as well. So what does all this have to do with Christmas? Well, uniquely, it has to do with kind of being told by God, you're not going anywhere this year, right? You are here. You're stuck at home this Christmas. And just like this man, maybe we wish that we could be anywhere other than where we are right now. The four walls of our house are starting to look a little tired and boring, and we just wish we could be anywhere else. But Jesus is saying, no, this year, you're going to be right there with those who you live with, your family and your friends right around you. And you may think that, man, is God punishing me by doing this? Let me assure you, friend, he is not. He is in it for you, and he's in it for them. Maybe this year, it could be God's greatest gift to you, this act of mercy, 
allowing you to have a different kind of Christmas than you had ever experienced before. Because listen, when we think about all the Christmases stacked up, you know, before this one, there was a lot of hectic rush to it. You know, we're going from one home to another, maybe one party to another. Like we're wrapping one gift and we're still trying to get this other one online. And, and there's this kind of maybe craziness that goes along with a lot of Christmases. And I think this year we have this opportunity when we are stuck at home to live at a bit of a different pace and to focus on loving those who God has placed us with and of sharing the story, the real Christmas story of Jesus coming to set us free and to heal us from all the torment of hell, just like this man experienced. Maybe we hear the words of Jesus spoken to this man echoed to our souls this year. Go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful has been. And you may wonder, like, I mean, doesn't it kind of seem cruel that Jesus, like, didn't let this man come with him when he just experienced so much love and freedom? But you can be sure Jesus is never cruel, never malicious. Jesus loved this man, and he loved his family enough to send him back to them. But here's something else that I think we need to recognize. Jesus wasn't telling this man, no, you can never be at home with me. Jesus was just saying, not yet. Because remember Jesus' words in John 14 when he says this. He says, when everything is ready, I will come and get you, to bring you home with me where you will be with me forever, forever. So we may feel stuck at home this Christmas, but we're not gonna be stuck forever. And one day we are gonna experience home, that place of true belonging, and we have hope in our hearts because of that. And it's why Jesus came. We have a dear friend up in Southern Washington. Her name is Jean, Jean Lund. And Jean has lived an amazing life for Jesus. She has been a four-score pastor for decades. In fact, she's 90 years old. And it was some seasons ago that doctors told her that her kidneys had stopped working effectively. And it's amazing that, that Jean really has lived as long as she did. But a month ago, Kelly and I got to go and visit Jean and say goodbye. And it was just about 36 hours ago, we got a message that Jean was in her last days. And we were so thankful and putting a picture up here with that's Jean with Pastor Kelly. And, and we just had such a great hour with her. 
And she actually looked really good. I mean, it was like, wow, there's that spark of life in our dear friend who has served Jesus all these years. But here's something about Jean and Kelly and I were talking on Friday afternoon when we, when we got the message that she was just in her last, her last days, her last hours. And we were reflecting and it just came to me that, you know what, Jean never married. The one love of Jean's life has been Jesus for decade after decade after decade. And when I, I realized the weightiness of what was happening at this moment, it was that Jean is going home. She is going to be united with the love of her life, the lover of her soul, where she has longed to be. Jean is going home. The promise of Jesus that she has put her hope in her entire life in these hours is coming to pass. And I want you to know, friends, that one day, Kelly and I are gonna be reunited with Jean around the throne of Jesus. Because I'll tell you, that is the place when we are going to truly and finally be nomads no more. We think about the wonder of gathering around a Christmas tree and that sense of home that we feel, but that's only temporary, right? It's, it's only momentary. Next day, we're back out returning gifts. <laughs> and that sense is gone. But when we gather around the throne of Jesus, it's forever. We'll finally be home. Oh, let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you came to humanity Lord, to begin this story of redemption and restoration, Lord, that we could not do on our own. No matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we try, we are simply nomads that are stuck in between the garden and heaven. Only temporarily and momentarily getting glimpses of what it really feels like to be home. But Jesus in you, because of you, and because you came on that first Christmas. Lord, because of that, we have hope. Lord, that in you, we are home. And that someday, like Jean's experiencing now, Lord, we will be returning to our eternal home where we will be with you forever. What a day of rejoicing that will be. And God, I pray, Lord, for my friends right now, Lord, who have not ever experienced that hope within them, the hope that Gene has had, the hope that I have, and so many others. But they, they don't have that hope because they have not yet entrusted their hearts and their stories to you. Maybe like those townspeople, they've been afraid of what you would do. Maybe they misunderstood. They, maybe they didn't trust what you were up to. Maybe they didn't trust 
that what you are doing is because of your deep and profound love. But really, we just only have to look back at Christmas when Jesus gave up heaven to come down to that stinky, dirty manger that Debbie talked about moments ago. He gave that up. Why? Because of his desperate love, his unconditional love for you. No matter how tormented and broken you are right now, Jesus came because of his love for you. And he wants to spend an eternity with you, making you feel more loved and belonged than you could ever imagine. How do we enter into that? We say yes to him. Instead of saying, Jesus, out of my house, we're saying, no, Jesus, I invite you in. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my past. I turn from it and I turn to you. I welcome you in. And friends, if that is your story, we have people right here, right here online. We have some pastors that you can just say, yes, I'm inviting Jesus in to my home this year, into my heart this year. Or there's people in our courtyard. We have pastors in our courtyard that are waving their hands right now. And listen, if you want to say yes to Jesus today, you can do that online. You can do it even right here in the courtyard. Church, you're loved and you're not stuck forever. We may be stuck at home this Christmas, but maybe it's just because of God's great love for you and for your family. Hey, we'll see you again here next Sunday.